Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. The Utah Jazz, I thought maybe they were at the bottom of the series against the Houston Rockets, and maybe it's my fault, Jonas. I brought this up yesterday, and I said, realistically, looking at these four conference semifinal series, which one is truly still up in the air? And I felt it was really only the 76ers and Celtics. Now, the next closest one, I would say Rockets-Jazz. There was only one game in, but the Rockets had defended their home court and I just felt that if they, they got game two, even though it's very difficult to play in Salt Lake and it is a great home court for the Jazz, that if the Rockets could get up 2-0, they are a very good team at home, as most good teams are. I just felt it was going to be the Rockets series and that we were looking ahead to the conference finals between Golden State and Houston. But a funny thing happened along the way. The Utah Jazz took it to the Houston Rockets last night in winning game two, 116 to 108 in a game Jonas that Utah led by 19 only to have Houston come all the way back and tie it and I didn't get the sense that it was a Houston team that was out of gas because of the comeback that they had 
I just got the sense that Utah was just a better team last night in so many different ways. And, and not to make it general, but the fact is Utah had guys step up that you didn't necessarily expect to, and the Rockets just didn't step up last night. Well, don't you get the impression that if it gets down to a grinded-out, tough type of game or tough t- type of style of play that Utah is going to have the advantage to where Houston is so dependent on we've got to hit shots, we've got to hit threes, it, it, it's it's what has to happen for us to win a game. Utah goes out there and they'll grind you. I mean, Donovan Mitchell didn't play that great. I mean, he didn't have that good of a game. But Joe Ingles, wherever the hell that guy came from, had seven threes, and Donovan Mitchell had a put-back dunk to where he just wanted it more than anybody else at that time. And it was just one of those games to where I, I no matter what Houston was going to do, I just trusted that that game was going to get dirty late, Houston wasn't seeing shots fall, and Utah was going to win that game. Houston had a tough time knocking down shots, something that Joe Ingles didn't. Quinn Snyder, the Utah Jazz coach, on the great performance by his guard last night. I was giving Joe a hard time. You know, he started last year probably as our fifth wing. He wasn't that for long, but I've mentioned it before. I think every time that Joe's needed to step up his game, he's been able to do that. I'm not surprised, but it's certainly a very timely performance given the situation. And this is a well-rounded Utah team that is playing without Ricky Rubio. And to see what Utah has, Jonas, I look at it, and this is – this has been my argument with the Philadelphia 76ers before because it wasn't just Joe Ingles last night. It was Alec Burks coming in and having a great first half. It was Dante Exum at the end of the game making some big plays for Utah to really hold off the Houston Rockets. You can have a great player in Donovan Mitchell on your team. Many NBA teams, oddly enough, have really good or great players, but it's the pieces around them that will limit – how good they can get. And I look at the 76ers for as much as people want to go crazy about Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and what he's been doing this season. It also helps to have a JJ Redick, a Robert Covington, a Marco Bellinelli, a TJ McConnell to have those guys play alongside with you that can play at a high level. Utah got that last night as Donovan Mitchell went just six of 21 from the floor. It also helped that the Rockets didn't hit shots. But Utah, and the way that they filled out their team and how that, that team is constructed, got production in places that we've wondered if the Cavaliers would ever get production from anybody outside of LeBron. Utah's doing it with their pieces. And Utah sort of as, and this has been an issue that Boston has had up until the last couple of years to where they've actually landed a couple of free agents. Unless you do well in the draft or unless you do well in trades, it's tough for Utah to bring in top-tier talent to Salt Lake be a free agency. Guys would just rather go somewhere else. And that's not a knock on the city. Beautiful place. Uh, a good organization with good history. Uh, despite what Russell Westbrook says, good fans. All the all of that that goes with it. But this just goes to show that as an organization, they've identified guys that are going to play for Quinn Snyder. By the way, quick side note. It, Quinn Snyder, are we sure he's not Patrick Bateman from American Psycho? Are we, are we are we absolutely sure? John, okay, because I I am not quite sure whether or not Quinn Snyder is not Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. That is the Christian Bale character, yes. correct? Yeah, they yeah. kind of do have the same kind of a look. Pro- a probably should have gone over that before the show before I realized nobody else has seen that movie. Yeah, I've missed it. I did <laughs> not. But John, uh, I knew that John knew it. Yeah, that's uh, well. I mean, look, it's uh, that's John. Um, but in all seriousness, you look at Utah and they've just done a better job than most teams in the league identifying players they want. They wanted Jay Crowder for a couple of years now. 
Like they, they identified as a guy that could play in that system and could play well. And I'm telling you, you get into these games to where that's that. I think that's the biggest difference between Golden State and Houston. When Golden State's shot isn't falling, they have got other pitches to their arsenal. You know, they're not just reliant on a fastball. They've got something else that they can go to if they're not feeling it that day. With Houston, what what else do you got? I mean, there was a point there to where. Um, uh, P.J. Tucker was trying to, to to rough up Donovan Mitchell in, in, in a loose ball tie-up, and it was like they needed P.J. Tucker to spark them, to get them going somehow, because it's almost like they know how to play one style. They don't have another option. There is no there is no off-speed pitch to go along with their fastball when it's not working. Yeah, it helps. I mean, obviously with Golden State in the caliber of players that Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson are, that helps to have those top top tier players course, yeah. at your disposal. But the point that I I agree with and that you're making is if if James Harden isn't having a great night, like last night where he was off, there is there is no one there to maybe pick up any slack. Eric Gordon's not going to say, "You know what? I got this." Even though he had 15 off the bench last night, it's not going to be, "Hey, I'm going to take this over." Or Trevor Ariza is going to say, "Hold on." What makes Houston deadly is when Harden is on and then other teams try to stop him and then everybody else gets theirs at a much easier at a much easier pace. So when they're rolling, they are rolling and they are very, very difficult to beat. But when you stop James Harden, which is extremely difficult to do with the soon-to-be MVP, or if he has an off night like he did last night, those other pieces aren't there necessarily to pick up the slack like you would have at Golden State. Is is Joe Ingles, is he your favorite left-handed basketball player of all time? Now, you know, you're a Kenny Anderson guy. You really liked Kenny Anderson. What about Calbert Chaney? No, couldn't stand Calbert Chaney because he was from Indiana. Okay, but yeah. Joe Ingles has got to be in the top three left-handed <laughs> basketball sure. players of all time. Yeah, sure. Uh, why not? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm gonna get Lawrence Kenny... Funderburk would be up there, though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like how I'm pretending like I know who that is just now? <laughs> that's uh, that's the move. Uh, John John Mouth, someone. Who did you say? Suzanne Chris Ramos? Mullen. Chris no. Mullen. Oh, Chris Mullen. Oh. Yeah. I, how could we forget Chris uh, Mullen? John, John, <laughs> Did you not? Is a first down away from me, ten yards away from me, and he mouthed something to me like I was to understand <laughs> no, what he no, said. I know. <laughs> what? Read those lips to the guy at the uh, bus stop over there. What is? <laughs> what is he saying right now? I'm just curious. I'm. John, can you let me know? Oh, he said it'll be here in three minutes. That's, that's I exhausted it. Um. So yeah. Uh, but uh, now, are you calling this series? Is it over, Dan? Is it now? Is all the I momentum? Think, I think Houston will win a game in Salt Lake. So I think I still think that the Rockets will win this series. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Deb is a Cowboys fan, and she is not going to want to hear what we are about to say about Jason Witten. Just a little too much. Oh, by the way, that's Jonas Knox. I'm yeah. Dan Byer. We're in for Doug Gottlieb. Is this retired? ESPN is having a Sports Center special yep. for Jason Witten's retirement. I'm 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 just wondering, are we going overboard a little bit with Jason Witten's retirement? Yeah. 
uh, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but as a cowboy well, fan, is this is this fair or is this overboard? Well, here's the deal. ESPN obviously has a dual purpose. They're celebrating sure. Witten's former career, and they're trying to launch his next career. Um, as a Cowboys fan, I mean, to me, he's one of the all-time greats. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. I'm hearing first ballot. I don't know about that, but uh, he's a, a Hall of Famer. But um, I, I think because he has been a media da- darling, he and Tony Romo, you know, the, the duo forever who never could win the big one or even get the, to the conference mm-hmm. championship for that matter. Um, we may be going a little overboard. As a Cowboys fan, I don't mind it, but yeah, I think so. Well, then I will add this because this is going to set up what Jonas and I are going to dive into. Do you feel the, let's just call it the Romo, Witten, Dez era, do you wish more would have come out of that? Of course. Yes. I mean, look at the potential. Even up until... Um, you know, the, the last couple of seasons, even, you know, with Witten, with Dak Prescott as, as a quarterback. But no, I think when Romo was there, he was like finally the first seemingly franchise quarterback since Troy Aikman, for that matter. You know, most of us lived through Quincy Carter and Chad Hutchinson and all kinds of random <laughs> oh, names. those names. Yeah, Drew Henson. <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh. Brandon Whedon <laughs> during the absence of Tony Romo. So I, I think there was just so much hope. And you guys know, I mean, the NFL Cowboys fans, we're either going to win the Super Bowl this year or we're going to stink this year. There's no uh, 50-50 at the beginning of the season. So I think there was just so much hope. And uh, and, and and with that defense, you know, with DeMarcus Ware for there for, there for a while, uh, Jay Ratliff, you know, they had a solid-looking defense for a while. Uh, yeah, it, it was a colossal disappointment as far as I'm concerned. And that then, Jonas falls on the shoulder of, shoulders of, well, Jerry Jones. Yeah, but here's see, <laughs> yeah. and, and yeah. he would be easy to blame. But I will say this about Jerry Jones: for a team that has done nothing in almost what, what we're we talking twenty years, like over nineteen ninety what ninety five. Yeah, so so almost twenty five, yeah. almost a quarter of a century. They've that done season. they've Ouch. done nothing. They're the biggest thing in the NFL, and it's not close, man. Like these guys, Romo. Never won a Super Bowl. Witten never won a Super Bowl. Get top broadcasting jobs the second they walk out of the NFL. Like that doesn't happen a lot of places. Like you look at like some of these stories. Des Bryant was a big story. Des Bryant getting released by the Cowboys was a big story. We talked about it on the air. There was no point during Des Bryant's career where you would have taken him over every single wide receiver in the league. He was never the best player at his position in the league at any point in his career, but it was a big story because he's a cowboy. So Jerry Jones may not have delivered a lot of wins over the last 25 years, but that dude's delivered a ton of relevance. Well, and let's let's start before Jerry Jones bought the team, too. I mean, anything with the star on that helmet, starting from it's the amazing. 70s on, has been the national story of the National Football League. I mean, going back to it's Tom incredible. Landry. I mean, it's it's just the it's a legendary franchise, and yes, some of it is earned, obviously, and some of it is just because these guys have stars on their helmet. What I just I, I look back and I and I look at this team, and I even look at the team and how it's constructed now, because honestly, they fell into Dak, but they didn't fall into what they did with that offensive line. And if at some point during that time. With Tony Romo and with Jason Witten and with Des Bryant at the top of their game, if their needs would have been addressed, this team, we look at the one season where they beat the Lions and lost to the Packers as the opportunity for Dallas to break. That's one season. You mean the catch that didn't happen? Yeah, exactly. We look at that point and point to it and say, oh, what could have been. But that was the only season that we can really do that with that core. And and I'll even put DeMarcus Ware in yeah. to that, you know, part of the conversation of they had pieces that they just did not take advantage of. 
it's it's I hate to say it's a waste because it's not fair to the individual efforts of what Jason Witten did or what DeMarcus Ware did. But as a whole and as a Cowboy fan, yeah, it was a waste because they just didn't accomplish anything during that time with talent that I think other teams would have loved to have had. Well, and here's the thing, too. A lot of people are like, how can he not come back and try for another Super Bowl if the team that went 13-3 and two seasons ago loses the first game they play in the playoffs? How is Witten supposed to think, yeah, I'll stick it out with yeah. the, you know, <laughs> why? Why put his body through that? He's got, you know, four kids. He's got this opportunity that most people don't have a chance to get. His name wasn't even in the conversation a month ago for this no. gig. Everybody was talking Peyton Manning or, you know, then Brett Favre and, you know, all of these other names, uh, some coaches. Uh, why would Witten stick around and continue this uh, this effort of futility. I mean, I, I hate to say that as a Cowboys fan, but there has always, you know, for good or, or or not so much lately, there's always been drama surrounding it too, whether it was with Terrell Owens and then with Des Bryant and now with Ezekiel Elliott. There's always an element of drama, and that's also what draws the eyeballs to this team. Yeah, and I also think that what who was his good buddy on the Cowboys for years and years? His best friend was Tony Romo. Of course. And yeah. so Tony Romo got out of the game, did the broadcasting thing. Uh, a lot of people really liked his style. He had a lot of fun doing it, and they probably had conversations. The first time I started even thinking about the idea of Witten retiring is, do you remember those rumors that came out when Tennessee was looking for a head coach? Yeah. All of a sudden, Jason Witten's name popped up. I'm like, hold on a second. This guy isn't even retired. Why is that happening? I wonder if he, after talking with Romo, said, if there's opportunities, I want to try and pursue something else. Because as Deb said, you know, why come back if it's not going to be for a really, really, really good opportunity to chase the Super Bowl? And so when this opportunity comes up, you can't turn that down. No. You, you just can't do it. It is amazing. Like growing up watching the NFL in the 90s, and I know so many of my friends or people that I, that I grew up with that are still Cowboy fans because of those teams in the 90s. And it's not just because of the time, because you remember the other team that was really good back then, the 49ers? Oh, yeah. I, I don't, I mean, there, there, that was another option, but everybody sided with the Cowboys. That was always the team everybody went to, whether they were more popular or more fun to watch or whatever the case may be. And the fact that that is carried on 20 plus years, and to Deb's point, even further than that, back to the Tom Landry days, that's incredible marketing and an incredible job by Jerry Jones. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. We've got breaking news in the National Football League. Deb Carson breaking it earlier that Matt Ryan has agreed to a five-year extension. Chris Mortensen of ESPN, the first with the numbers, makes him the first quarterback getting $30 million a season in the National Football League. It's $100 million guaranteed, so now Matt Ryan is the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. And as we talk about every single time, Jonas, when a quarterback gets paid, it's not necessarily about that quarterback. It's about, okay, who is next? And it only seemed fitting that Matt Ryan, at least for what he has led the Atlanta Falcons to in his MVP season, that because he was next in line for a contract extension, would get that contract extension. So I'm not surprised that Matt Ryan got his extension and that he's getting $30 million in his $30 million annually, excuse me, and $100 million guaranteed because that just seems to fall in line with everything else with quarterbacks. Yeah, it's the price of doing business at that position. That's the way it goes. And 
it's in the especially when you see other players get deals like that. Rodgers is the next one, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to be the next one to get paid. <laughs> you think Rodgers is upset? Matt Ryan just got that money. <laughs> You're kidding. Rodgers is going to get paid a grip based on what Matt Ryan just got because now you've set the bar at a certain level. So it's just it's the way it goes. I mean, you can argue back and forth about. Whether or not you think he's a, I mean, I think Matt Ryan's a, a pretty good quarterback. I don't, I don't put him in an elite class or anything like that. But I also understand what the business is like, and at that position, it's that price for quarterbacks. He was just next in line, and that's the way it goes. When you look at the Falcons and where they really had success, I think it's running the football. And while it's great that Julio Jones is such a main target of Matt Ryan, I don't think that their success is tied with Julio Jones. And if you're the Falcons and you see how last year ended up playing out, remember when they didn't beat the Eagles in the divisional playoff game? We talked about that that last play on the, the fourth down play, yeah. the one option. Julio Jones in the red zone was not is is not the sure bet that maybe some people would casually think. Julio Jones in the red zone has actually been a problem throughout his career of actually being a main target in go-to situations. Matt Ryan, in my mind, in those clutch situations, Jonas, looked for Muhammad Sanu. Or he would look for Tevin Coleman to make a play out of the backfield. And while Julio Jones is one of the top five receivers and big playmakers in the game. When it really came down to it, and when it really when when it came down to it for the Atlanta Falcons, they're really a running team on the shoulders of Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Yeah. And you mentioned that Matt Ryan being you don't think he's a top tier quarterback. I agree with that assessment. He's good enough to get to the Falcons to where they need to be, but it doesn't make any sense for them to have Julio Jones making the what you know 15 million dollars a year that that, that he's going to make or 12 13 million dollars a year that you would make as a wide receiver because their success doesn't rely in that spot i think that th- this is this is locking up their quarterback they've also locked up Desmond Trufant to a deal so they're trying to do stuff on defense as well but i just look at this as being like okay you mentioned bringing in Calvin Ridley with that first round pick we had a lot of the talk with Julio Jones unfollowing the Falcons on his Instagram page. The Falcons are a better team when they're not relying on Julio Jones, and it's evident. Sure, he made the great catch in the Super Bowl. He had four catches in that Super Bowl. Yeah. So so when you look at really what Atlanta has done, I just don't see that their future is with Julio Jones being that star guy, and I think that this signing locks up Matt Ryan, but it also means, you know what, maybe it doesn't, doesn't make sense for us to be paying a wide receiver of Julio Jones's caliber, great and all, that amount of money since now we're giving so much to the quarterback and now to the cornerback, and now we've got a first-round pick. A lot of these signs, I say, look to Julio Jones maybe well, being elsewhere. And the conversation during the draft when the selection of Calvin Ridley came in, the conversation at the desk uh, of NFL Network slash Fox was, well, it makes a lot of sense. You know, you lost T- Taylor Gabriel in the, in the offseason, and, uh, that, you know, this first of all, you're not drafting a guy with the first round pick because you're really hoping he can replace Taylor effing Gabriel. Okay? <laughs> Let's stop. All right? You're drafting a guy because you're expecting more out of him than Taylor Gabriel. 
And so if this means that this is Julio Jones, and they've had an interesting offseason. Didn't he delete all of his any reference to the Falcons on his social media or something like that? Yeah, it was on his Instagram. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was okay, talking so, about. Yeah, yeah. so off his Instagram, and, and there's been... Like uh, there's another conversation where they uh, of, uh, the organization talked with Julio Jones. They said that he's in a really good place or something like that. Just sort of sort of an interesting situation there with Jones. But I, this whole the NFL is a copycat league, and the New Orleans Saints had a lot of success last year. And the reason they had a lot of success was the emergence of Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, and all of a sudden that two back set really set New Orleans up to be a different offense than maybe even what they were before. Now it was no longer just on Drew Brees. To your point, this two-back set, Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman, Atlanta's been doing it for a couple of years. That's maybe more of a reason why they were in a Super Bowl than Julio it Jones. Is. It is, yes. And so the idea that, uh, you know, I don't know if you can get rid of like you could, I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta decided within the next year or so all right, let's, you know, maybe even this offseason, if things don't go the way that, that we think it's going to go and we feel like we've got something here, they wait to see how Calvin Ridley performs in, in the offseason in training camp, and maybe they look around and go, hey, if we get a decent enough offer, what are we waiting for? I mean, mm-hmm. let's unload, and, and, you know, we've talked about it before. Who's the best wide receiver to win a Super Bowl recently? <laughs> like, who, like, Demarius Thomas? <laughs> What did he? Yeah. What did he do? Yeah. He, really he wasn't even a part yeah. of. So yeah, he yeah just th- happened to be on the team that actually won. There's a lot to what you're saying, and I think there's a team out there. There's probably several teams out there would that would overpay for Julio. There is also something that that we have heard throughout the season, and Atlanta really caught their stride in the final quarter of last year. But there was a lot of talk. Remember this team lost to the the Dolphins at home in a game where I believe they were up seventeen nothing in halftime this past season. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the talk started to come up of Steve Sarkeesian as the offensive coordinator, of not making adjustments, and teams were taking the Falcons to the woodshed in the second half of those games. Steve Sarkeesian, I think if you were to rank the offensive coordinators in the National Football rank League. Rank them. Rank them. I don't think, I think it's pretty safe to say he wouldn't be in the top 16, no. the top half of the NFL. But you know what's a lot? What makes the job of an offensive coordinator a lot easier to do is to just be able to run the ball and then using the run to set up play action or to set up different plays. And so Steve Sarkeesian does like to run the ball, so that works out well for Dan Quinn and what they want to do on defense. It's he may not be the top offensive coordinator, and I'm going to compare it to Seattle because Daryl Bevel wasn't the top offensive coordinator in the National Football League. But the defense picked up a lot of the slack that the offense couldn't do. But when the offense was rolling with Marshawn Lynch, it worked well in concert with each other. That's all the Falcons need. The defense is improving and improving. And and we saw, heck, they were the only ones to really shut down the Eagles in the postseason. The Dan Quinn team is really, really taking form. And I don't think that he minds Steve Sarkeesian as, as his offensive coordinator, despite the fact that other people think that he isn't as good because it helps out what his defense does. And what Steve Sarkeesian does in the air doesn't necessarily benefit Julio Jones. And I'll give Dan Quinn credit, man. How many times have we seen a team lose a gut-wrenching championship game in the in the manner that the Falcons, not historically NFL-wise, but in other sports, you lose a game seven or you lose a big game and you go out like that and then the next year you fold. And Atlanta didn't. And there were several chances for them to fold. And not only did they play well down the end, 
But when they got to the postseason, they exposed the Rams at home mm-hmm. in the Coliseum. They moved on, and they probably should have won that game against Philadelphia. So they were a play away from being back in the NFC title game after they lost the Super Bowl in the most horrific fashion that anybody's ever lost at historically in the league. So psychologically, Dan Quinn's got them set up for success. Like they're they are set up yeah. just based on those results last year. And, and I like the fact as well is that what the Falcons didn't do that cost them that Super Bowl was running late. And a lot of that blame goes on Kyle Shanahan calling the offensive plays at that time. Dan Quinn's going to make darn well sure they don't make that mistake again. And there's where the commitment to the run goes. It's great to have Julio Jones on your team. No doubt about that. But when you really look at the value and you really look at the price and now you're paying Matt Ryan $30 million to just be the guy that is a good enough quarterback to lead you, I, I think this almost says more about the future of the Falcons and Julio Jones than it does anything else with Matt Ryan getting his extension. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's talk some baseball as the one and only host of Intentional Talk on the MLB Network with Chris Rose and World Series champ Kevin Millar joins us thanks to Seat Geek. Hey, Kevin, thanks so much for the time today. Boys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It is. I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna start out with baseball. What you and Chris Rose do on MLB Network is amazing. And as a broadcaster, we know how difficult it can be to put on a show with someone else that is not in the same studio. How you guys do it on TV, first of all, is just a compliment because it's so flawless. But were there any hiccups early on in doing? I, I just find it amazing how you guys can pull off a show like that and not be in the same space. It's truly amazing. Yes, it was hiccups. I, I get done playing, all of a sudden we're like, yeah, we'd like to try a new show here, Intentional Talk. I'm like, okay, and where's the earpiece? And uh, what do I do from here? And then we did it from home, so now you're sitting in the garage with the, with the camera. And, heck, I went to L.A. City Junior College and Lamar University, so you're not talking a Rhodes Scholar, <laughs> but thank goodness for Rhodes. <laughs> Rhodes has helped me out big time, and uh, you know what? We've had a lot of fun, and once you start – the brand and the trust with the players, it's been a blast because our show, if you can't laugh for yourself, then it's, it's not the show for you. So once players know that they can sit here ragging each other and ragging other teammate, teammates, it's really been fun that way. And uh, we don't care if you're hitting 400 or 100. It's just come on and have some fun for about eight or nine minutes and let's do it. Uh, Kevin Millar with us here on Fox Sports Radio. Kevin, I, I want to ask you this because we had your former teammate, Johnny Damon, on the show yesterday, and he just recently had been eliminated off Dancing with the Stars. Yes. And we did not expect this sort of reaction to being eliminated off Dancing with the Stars. I want to play it back for you, and you tell me if this is the Johnny Damon you remember. This was good to get, get me out there. I actually thought we should have advanced, but you know they're they're trying to run a TV show. It's and it's a great TV show, but there was so much more that America and the world could have seen from me. But you know, they're the ones that are losing out right now because we <laughs> we had such a great dance for week two. Are you surprised he had that much of a red ass about getting eliminated off Dancing <laughs> with the Stars? You know what? We had him on our podcast that that Monday night before. Uh, you know, we taped the podcast that Monday before he was dancing that day. And I'll tell you, his whole thing was, we're, we, we want to try to win this. And he told me straight up, because I want you to vote for me, get this out there, but only vote for me if you believe in me. And I'll tell you what, that's the toughest thing to do once we're out of our element. But, uh, yeah, he was upset 
because he felt that, you know, we had our first two dances the first two weeks, but I got to get by this week one. And, uh, you know, Emma, his dance partner, is awesome. And that was Michael Waltrip's partner a couple of years ago. And we're all friends with Mike. So it was one of those things. It was a bummer. They voted two guys, you know, two couples off. And I felt terrible for him. I really did. I was like, man, all that little hard work. And then he's walking off. And uh, there, there is more. L- listen, it's, 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 it's a great show. Uh, it's a, you know, depending on where, where you kind of dance. Because then you only get, think about if you were Josh Norman. I mean, he, he he moved on, but you only got like ten minutes to vote for him if you're fin- you know if you're dancing tenth. <laughs> so it's kind of like if you dance first, you got more time for votes and stuff. And but it was cool. I'm sure he had a great experience. And yeah, it's probably a bummer. Voting closed as soon as the music stopped for his dance. So so Johnny <laughs> Damon was screwed. Kevin Millar joining us here on Fox Sports Radio on the Doug Gottlieb Show. He's Jonas Knox. I'm Dan Beyer. Astros and Yankees are playing a series, just wrapping up their their four game set. And this is, I mean, this is a series we knew a lot to expect from from the Astros, obviously being World Series champs. Are you surprised that things have gone, I guess, so well for the Yankees, maybe so early in the season, even with the 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 adjustment period with Giancarlo Stanton and not maybe getting on track as as soon as they would have hoped? Yeah, you know what's funny is that this game. I mean, we play so many games in a year, and it really is, and everything everything in the beginning is so magnified, right? If you go two for twenty eight. You know, you see that scoreboard seeing 100 out there, and you're like, oh, my goodness, or if you start off a little slow. We know the Yankees didn't get up to a great start, but you, you know the, the, the damage they have in that lineup. And, and with or without Stanton, they were good last year. Last six weeks of the year, I thought they turned into the best club in the big leagues coming down the postseason. And the Astros did a great job of eliminating them. And, you know, you just got to understand, this is the Yankees. They're, they're different than what we've seen. The old guys, veteran guys, the Paul O'Neills, the Posadas, the Bernie Williams, the Jeters, they have a lot of young energy now. And I'll tell you, being around them, and I, we did the show on the field on Tuesday, being around them, just a lot of young studs. They're all big and strong and handsome. And Judge, you couldn't have been a nicer human being in your life. And he's just, you've seen the turn that he's made offensively. But uh, that, that Astro starting pitching, holy cannoli. And you saw some good baseball those first few games. And, uh, you know, Tipped your hat to the Yankees. These two teams are beast, and uh, Severino's really turned the corner, you know, for the Yankees. You know, with the game they threw last night, also. Uh, Kevin Millar, MLB Network host of uh, Intentional Talk, also World Series, Series champion with us here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, so, the, I know there's 130 games left, and I don't want to overreact to what is happening with the Dodgers, but it feels like. An injury here. Now Ryu's got the injury. He's going to be out until I'm, I'm hearing the second half of the season. Corey Seager with the Tommy John surgery. Bellinger got benched for not hustling. What was the earliest into a season as a player that you felt like you guys were just snake bit? Like it wasn't it wasn't going to be your year. This is too early to feel that. I, I think when you kind of go through the All Star break and you get halfway in the season and you kind of look at it. Now look at in '04 we were about 500 teams when we won the World Series with the Red Sox. And so, you know, there's, a, there, there's just like you saw the Cubs last year. They didn't play well at all the first half. Second half, they went out and won 50 and whatever it was, 20-something. So it, there's just two halves of the season. But I, I would say I'm not giving up on the Dodgers by any means. They have not swung the bats well. They start out with the, without Justin Turner. They lose Corey Seager. Everybody, you know, puts all the pressure on Clay Kershaw. But the one thing about Dave Roberts and being his teammate and knowing him, he's got a calmness about him. They have a great staff. They have a ton of money. They have a great front office with Freeman and all those boys up there. So they'll figure this out. They just have not played well, and Arizona is better 
this first month. They're a very complete team who also have gone through injuries. You know, there's Taiwan Walker and Robbie Ray and Jacob Lamb, and then, you know, you look at Souza early on. So every team battles the injury scene. It's just about being deep and who can overcome it. But I'm not giving up on the Dodgers by any means, but they just they need to start kicking it in gear at some point. MLB Network analyst and host of Intentional Talk, Kevin Millar, joining us thanks to SeatGeek.com. Download the SeatGeek app and enter your promo code Millar for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. A lot of waves were made when we found out the stat that for the first time ever there were more strikeouts than hits in a Major League Baseball month. Does that concern you as a former player, seeing that sort of number? It does. It concerns me that players don't care about striking out anymore. You know, it's all about hitting home runs and getting paid, which I understand all that stuff. But what bothers me is that cat and mouse game. When you step in the batter's box and you versus the pitcher, it was when you wanted to dig in and let's go. If you popped up to first base or strike out, it's the same thing, but it's not the same thing. You know, he got me. And when you're, you know, when you're 0-2 these days, you see players, they're swinging like it's a two-seam, uh, uh, four-seam fastball down the middle. Like, there's no more of that battle. And, and there's players are so strong and so, like, you know, the bigger and stronger and doing their thing. But I just, I just think that the hitters, at the end of the day, where's the Wade Boggers and the Tony Gwynns and the high average and choking up and taking the ball left field or whatever it is to, to get the hitters count and then, you know, go from there. That's disturbing. The average is down to 240. The average usually is about 260 in the big leagues, but we've had a ton of strikeouts and obviously more than hits. And uh, it's kind of like where we're at with all these launch angles and Mm -hmm. how to lift up on the ball. And we have so many numbers, but we're losing that gut feeling of the game. And so I just hope that, you know, this is, uh, is, uh, you know, going to change at some point. I'm I'm just going to wrap it up with this, and I want to get your thoughts on my opinion. While we are getting all of these home runs, and we mentioned that the strikeouts are up, I do think something has to be said, and I know it's a different way from when you played, but we're now concerned. We are interested as a fan in the strikeout, and I used two examples. James Paxton last night for the Mariners struck out 16. Follow a lot of people from Seattle. They were drawn into that game against the Oakland A's in May. I think that's a good thing. Josh Hader of the Milwaukee Brewers isn't even their closer and is, is yeah. now must-watch TV. So while I understand like the opinion of it, Kevin, of people being like, man, there's just way too many strikeouts, I actually think it's brought in a different sort of aspect that fans can gravitate to of actually wanting to watch certain pitchers. And I, I just have a tough time thinking that that's a bad thing. No, you're, you make a great point. At the end of the day, it's entertainment. And when you, you, know, you bring up a point like Josh Hader, I mean, this is like a, a poor man's Chris Sale, as yeah. filthy as there is. And the game's all power now. Like the velocity, there, there, there's no more Greg Maddox. Where's sure. the Tommy Glavins? You know, where's the Jamie Moyers? It's, it's like now it's about power. And, you know, we got Charlie Morton in the five hole sitting there in Houston throwing 98 mile an hour bowling balls. <laughs> and you got guys coming out, you know, this kid Montgomery leaves the game Tuesday for the Yankees, and they bring in Haran, who's throwing 96, 7 miles an hour for four straight innings. So everybody that comes out of the bullpen now, and everybody that comes out, you know, it seems like start, it's all about velocity. And they don't want you to see. The lineup three times, and then it's all about the bullpen switch. But we saw the Royals win the World Series in 14, uh, 15, and, you know, when they started that whole sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, everybody's throwing 100 miles an hour. And then you got the Greg Holland. So the game is shifting, right? Good or bad, the rule changes at second base, the rule changes at home plate, they're trying to speed up the game. We got a certain amount of time we can go up to the, the pitcher mount, but, uh, you know, you're right. You make a great point. Strikeouts, you kind of start watching, all of a sudden, Paxton. He's got you know fourteen plus strikeouts. You're you're, you're glued to the TV, so uh, you can look at it either way. I just know there is a lot of 
there are a lot of swings and misses. And I know that, you know, as a former big leaguer, you know, that's what you do. You have hand-eye coordination, and it, it, the swings and misses, it's just an approach. It's just giving in a little bit with two strikes or, you know, no one have an idea of sitting on a certain pitch. I know you're no longer a major leaguer, but you have a new teammate in SeatGeek. How did you hook up with them? Awesome app, man. I'll tell you right now. You download this app. It's great for concerts coming in town. You want tickets to hockey playoffs, to the baseball games, to football games. What I love about it is it tells you if you're getting a good deal or a bad deal, and you kind of have a picture of where your seats are. And uh, it's just a, it's, a, it's an awesome app to use. And I like I said, in Austin, Texas, I live, and you got hey, Willie Nelson's coming in June 13th, and Kenny Chesney May 16th, and it's it's a great app to have. If you don't have it, get it, and we'll give you 20 bucks off your first purchase if you put in the promo code Millar. Yeah, M I L L A R. If you don't know, 20 bucks off on your first Seat Geek purchase. Kevin, thanks so much. Thanks, uh, we'll Kevin. continue to watch you on Intentional Talk. We appreciate it, and let's do it again soon. Boys, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Kevin Millar, former World Series champ. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.